And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Welcome to 1% Better. Today's episode is presented by Visa, a network working for everyone. And I am Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. And this is your post game, sort of, kind of next morning edition of 1% Better. And boy, Zach, that was. I don't know. Surprising, I thought, um, in, yeah. in some respects. Colts go down 28-16 to to the Seattle Seahawks. Another season-opening loss. That is, what, eight in a row, I believe, which is quite the bout of consistency. <laughs> Been is. on the beat eight years, never covered a week one win. Hey, what's it like? Why start now? Right, right. So anyway, it's um look, I predicted them to lose. I thought they I thought they could win the game, but I I thought they might lose. I thought they'd be rusty. They didn't lose the way I thought they were going to lose. And and I think that's why this was just so confounding, but uh let's start really big picture, Zach. Uh this this team has a lot of high hopes. This team has a lot of talent, I still think. Does yeah. this game change the complexion of how you see this team moving forward this season or or not no it doesn't and and maybe this is the glass half full uh view remember the panic after jacksonville last year and that was mm. gardner Minshew. remember they let him go 19 for 21 the defense looked awful in the second half now that was a game that haunted them the whole season um they were terrible yesterday the colts were terrible and and i think you just hit it on the head it wasn't that they lost it was how they lost and you kind of hit on this, and I kind of hit on this in my story, and we talked about this in the press box. The reason they lost were the reasons I thought they had a chance to win, if that makes sense. Like, I didn't think yep. Darius Leonard was going to be the reason they lost, or Braden Smith, or Ryan Kelly. You know, I thought it was going to be a rusty Carson Wentz and, you know, a lack of a passing game. And, and I didn't think the defense was going to just lay down in the first half. Um, big picture, no. It, it's such a long season. I hesitate to overreact whether it was really good or really bad. You're going to hear a lot of overreaction in the NFL today. That's the fun part of it. But, you know, look, I mean, Julian Davenport, God forbid he's not out there in week two, right? If Eric Fisher can come back, that changes things. I don't think Ryan Kelly's going to struggle like he did. I don't think Braden Smith's going to continue to struggle like he did yesterday. But for me, it starts with the line. That needs to be better. I don't think I've seen that offensive line play that bad since Jacoby Brissett was the quarterback in 2017. Not 2019, but 2017, before Quentin got here. So, I mean, Carson Wentz was running for his life yesterday, and I didn't think he was even on the top 10 list of problems you had yesterday. Yeah, and and this is, it goes back to the point I just made and the point you just doubled down on, which is, it's, it's how it happened, not that it happened. I thought, again, I thought they'd lose. I didn't think it happened like this. And so my biggest issues are, a couple of things. Number one, we'll start with the offensive line. Look, I, 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 
did think there would be some rust. I don't think that was surprising, but Braden Smith didn't miss any practice, so I don't know what his deal is. Ryan Kelly certainly had been in and out, uh, had had the elbow injury, had uh, the oh, actually went on the COVID list, so missed another week there. So, uh, look, I'm, I'm not stunned, and he wasn't terrible. It was just he had some, some snaps that are very uncharacteristic for him that, that really blew up a couple of plays. So, you know, there's a difference between having some, some bad instances or bad snaps and playing terrible overall. I don't think he played terrible overall. I think he had some really bad snaps. So I don't change how I look at a player like that. It's just bad day. Right. But, but again, those are not usually the usual suspects when the Colts have issues. It's not your offensive line. It's not, uh, granted, we expected Davenport to struggle, and he did not disappoint us. He gave up sure. two sacks and tons of other pressure. But we saw that coming. Uh, I thought that – I wish Frank Reich would have done more to mitigate that because we knew that was a problem. I, I thought it was interesting that Jack Doyle didn't have his usual number of snaps. I thought he would never leave the field. I thought he'd be over yeah. there attached at the hip with Julian Davenport. And that they let the Davenport case. play solo a lot on that end, and they paid for it. I thought so, and so that was a fateful decision there. Uh, but the other guys, you know, I, I think Quentin Nelson, for for as much missed time as he had, I didn't see any obvious issues there, so that was positive. But again, two big money guys on that offensive line that can't happen. It's, I'm sorry, the bar is where the bar is, and when they cut those checks, I'm sorry, that's just kind of how the the deal works. You know, if you're the highest paid guy down at your job. You're going to have different expectations than the other employees. That's just how it works, man. So I don't think it should be any different in the NFL. So that's just that's just what it is. They're going to have to they're going to have to wear that. They're going to have to 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 basically deal with that until they go out there and and have a different um, you know change that narrative basically. So the other thing is on on defense. I just thought it was it was not that the defense struggled. It was how it struggled, right? So here's a couple things. 5.2 yards per carry for the Seahawks. That's way over last year where they were under four yards per carry, this team, in terms of giving up rushing yardage. One of the they were top five in the NFL in that regard. Then the safeties, terrible game. Oh my gosh, Kari Willis was I just watched the first half tape. It was terrible. abysmal. It was worse than it was yesterday, watching yeah. it live. Linebackers, terrible. These are supposed to be strengths of this team. And so when I just gave you three units, offensive line, safety, linebacker, defensive line, eh, nothing special. But I don't think that was the reason they lost. But but actually, though, the run defense, that, that falls on the defensive line, too. So I just gave you four areas of strength for this team and none of them did their job. So I don't I mean, yeah, you're going to lose and it's going to be ugly. That's just what it is. So, I mean, did we overrate those? players or did they just have a bad day that's that's what i'm left with and i don't know how we can answer that after one week but yeah that's what you're gonna find out next week when this when the la rams come to town and it's not gonna mm -hmm. get any easier um i didn't think the defense was gonna be the main culprit and they definitely were in the first half now we do have to give them credit they played pretty solid in the second half except for that touchdown drive late but they were abysmal in the first half kenny moore was missing tackles and he even admitted that after the game Kari Willis got burned for two touchdowns. I have no idea. Um, I had no expectation of that happening. I never saw that happening from Kari Willis. Yeah. And and like you said, the linebackers. I mean, Darius was moved out of a play by a tight end on one, took a bad angle on another. 
I mean, you're a hundred million dollar linebacker and you need to play like a hundred million dollar linebacker. And he didn't yesterday. And he said it succinctly after the game. We got our asses kicked. And it starts in the middle uh, with the heartbeat of the defense. And it was Darius Leonard. He was not good yesterday. And there's no way to sugarcoat that. And then offensively, I didn't think the offensive line was going to be a huge problem. I thought they would help Davenport on the left side. But again, it wasn't just Davenport. It was not just Julian Davenport. It was all across the line. I thought Glowinski got beat on a couple plays. And, and for me, watching the game yesterday, and then I want your take on this as well, watching the tape this morning, I'm not buying that this was Carson Wentz holding on the ball too long. And I know everyone in Philadelphia thinks that's the case because that's what they saw with the Eagles the last couple of years. But I guarantee you they didn't watch the tape for this one because that was not the storyline I took away. I thought Wentz did just about everything he could given the situation and given the fact that he only had five full practices. He played pretty damn well. I thought it was fine. I, I really didn't come away from that game feeling like like Carson Wentz didn't hold up his end of the bargain. Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah, and, and I think specifically what he didn't do was make mistakes because that was what I was afraid of watching him play last year and even in parts of 2019. When I watched that film. What I came away with was, man, this guy's really good, but man, he can't get out of his own way. You know, that was... If I was the Colts, that's what would have scared me. In fact, we've, we've talked about that on this podcast. We've talked about the fact that they uh, they clearly had some some concerns about Carson Wentz being a detriment to himself <laughs> and trying to do too much, right? We, we have talked about that, and we didn't – that wasn't our take. That was the Colts who were telling us that. All right. And and they said this publicly, I thought, last week. And Carson Wentz owned that, too, I thought. So to his credit, he said, look, you know, I'm going to always be towing that line my entire career because he knows his tendency. And his tendency is to try to be a, a superhero. And to his credit, he avoided that yesterday. Uh, he he made pretty good decisions. You know, he stayed in the pocket when there was an opportunity to do that. He got out of there when the pressure came. He avoided a couple sacks because he is a really good athlete. I think an elite athlete at the quarterback spot. And so I I thought he did exactly what they wanted from him. He just didn't get any help. I'm sorry. And he had just way too much pressure. So if there's one silver lining, and I'm not here to, you know, to to make this, you know, a a Disney movie, but (laughs) if there is a silver lining, it's that Carson Wentz, is a viable quarterback based on what I saw yesterday. Yeah, Pretty viable. I, I agree. And I'm actually excited to see what they do with him. And I think there's a lot of talent and there's a lot of different things you can do with his talent. He hit that nice deep one to Paris Campbell down the sideline. He scrambled out of the pocket, hit Michael Strong, that big third down um, in the second half. I mean, there's a lot of what he can do that we have not seen from the quarterback position in the last two years. That's the reality. But the bad part is we had to watch what looked like Jacoby Brissett in 17 or even Andrew Luck before that when this guy Andrew Luck was you know scrambling while these defensive linemen are about to take off his head and trying to make something happen it honestly felt like that a couple times yesterday and for the fans out there you know that's not a great memory of watching your quarterback run for his life that hasn't been the case in this town in the last couple of years but it was what happened yesterday and and really for a team that prides itself on its physicality and that's what Frank always stresses with these guys we want to be the most physical team out there Seattle was by far the more physical team. They were the more aggressive team yesterday. It was a great game plan by their new offensive coordinator. And Russ was just absolutely terrific. I mean, the guy had five incompletions and four touchdowns yesterday. So (laughs) 
Um, if he's in the MVP that? conversation, remember where it started by torching the Colts defense in week one. Yeah, he's he's ridiculous. <laughs> he's just ridiculous. There's nothing else to say. The throw, the throw to Lockett on the first touchdown is insane when you watch it again because it of is. what he saw and where he put it and – Great play by the quarterback. Great catch by Lockett. It's just, oh, man, he was really good. Getting off the subject a little bit here, but I I did think it was interesting reading Pete Carroll's quotes after the game. He talked about that particular play, that throw, that breadbasket throw, basically. Where I mean, Russell throws the the prettiest deep ball of any quarterback in the NFL, and it, it ain't even close, okay? And it's not just that they look amazing. They're very accurate, too. I mean, he's... He's got a strong arm. He throws on the run. He throws it accurately. And he just has this ability to throw it in such a way that it drops over defensive backs where they can't defend it. And that is, I think, the the thing that you cannot teach. It's just a skill that he has that nobody can teach. And you saw it a couple of times yesterday. And in that particular first touchdown to Lockett, Pete Carroll said, you know, we actually practice that in exact scenario. You know, having to, to catch the ball from you know, looking over one shoulder, then switching, and just how how Russ throws it with such a trajectory that the ball is basically coming straight down on top of you, which is amazing. <laughs> all he's got to do is put his hands up and find the ball, obviously. But then once he finds it, all he's got to do is put his hands up and the ball's there. So, you know, Godspeed to Kari Willis on that one. But Kari, uh, I do not defend this part. Is Kari let Lockett get right up on top of him before he decides to start backpedaling. And I'm sorry, it's too late then. It's too late. And so he waits till he gets right up on him. Then he turns his hips and tries to run. But you're trying to change directions, and that guy's already got a full steam of head, or full head of steam, excuse me. It's over. The play's over. There was really terrible coverage on Kari Willis's part. And, and he had to know it was him or nobody because they were on an all-out blitz which is right. something I'll get into here in a second. I have not seen the Colts blitz like this in a very long time, if ever, under Matt Eberflus. That was very out of character for them. I'm not saying it was good or bad. I'm just saying they don't do that much. So Kari had to know what the call was. See, he had to know, dude, you're the deepest guy. You just let a guy run by you. I mean, like, that's just basic football, you know? So that's the, the stuff that if I was coaching in that game yesterday, I would have been just banging my head against the wall. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, this is not high level stuff. This is basic. And so I I just, I don't know. These guys played like they just lost their minds. And sometimes that's not talent. Sometimes it's just really, really bad execution. That's what that was. I mean, we know we've seen these guys play well. That was terrible, inexcusable execution. And that's just one example of it. I so, felt like the game turned right before the half. That mm-hmm. that big touchdown that they hit to Lockett, Kari was late. He was he was moving slow, and Lockett, you just let that top end speed get behind you. It was second and twenty for God's sake, and they let them score that. And Russ threw a beauty of a ball, but that's the kind of stuff that adds up. And, and like Frank talked about with the team afterward, he said, "Look, when you play a really good team, the margin for error is just that much slimmer." And the Colts just didn't make those smart football plays yesterday. They made a couple. Buckner had a nice one. Taylor had some nice runs. Naheem had some nice plays early. Carson definitely had some good plays. It was good to see Michael Strawn get in there and make a difference. But overall, the Seahawks were the ones that went out there and took this game, and they made the plays. And, man, Kenny Moore, Kari Willis, Darius Leonard, all of those guys are going to have a rough film session today. Yeah, and I don't feel sorry for them. That was – it was – they deserve every bit of – 
vitriol coming their way from these coaches. But let's talk about the coaches because I think, look, I'm not one of these people that's down on, on Frank Reich and Matt Aberflus. I mean, I, I think these guys are, are among the best at their job. I still believe that. But that was not a good day. And no. I, I'll give you my thoughts on first on Frank Reich. So here's my issue. Uh, well, number one, I didn't love that fourth down call. Uh, I didn't like not the play call per se, but I didn't like the decision. Uh, they we're talking about with ten minutes to go. They're down eleven. You get the field goal. What what is it? Maybe it's a forty yarder, thirty long thirties, forty ish yard yeah. field goal. Uh, I don't have the down and distance in front of me, but. If you make that field goal, very makeable field goal, you're you got a one score game. I think you know the yards have been so hard to come by. I think you probably just take those points there and and see see what you can do on defense. Granted, I, I get that the defense didn't hold, but I mean the the situation changes a lot at that point. But anyhow, that's where that's the play where Braden Smith gets blown up and Wentz gets sacked or gets taken down. Doesn't really get a, a chance to throw the ball. So. I think on that play, there was also a Frank said there was a, a miscommunication, and I did look back at it, and what I saw was Wentz looking to his left. He's got three receivers out there, and he's kind of like he holds the ball a little bit longer than you would think, or at least he stays yeah. on that progression a little too long, and that's what I think happened. I, I don't know what the what the miscommunication was. I don't know if someone ran the wrong route. I don't know if they expected a different type of coverage, and and. They didn't adjust to it properly because sometimes receivers got to make those adjustments on the fly. So something happened there where he he didn't get what he thought he was going to get either from his guys or from the defense. And he, he hangs in there a little too long. Then he turns right and he's got Michael Pittman wide open. And Pittman boom, is, here I got the play pulled up right now. Pittman's yep. wide open, but he's not looking right. He's looking left. There's Pascal yep. and there's Campbell down there. But also Braden Smith's on his ass. So yeah, and that's the problem. Um, if he's got a, a tick longer, he can get right. that ball to Pittman. They get first down. Easy. But he's got this guy who's env- enveloping his legs at that very moment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so there's there's no shot. I mean, it's just – anyway, so that's just one thing. So the fourth down decision, there's that. The other thing, I kind of alluded to this earlier. I thought they should have did more to mitigate the problem at left tackle. I just – I don't know how you could sleep at night knowing you had that problem and do so little about it. I, I don't understand that. I just I, I got to go back and watch the film, and, and maybe I missed some of that, but I feel like they should have done more to mitigate that. Number no, it two. jumped out to me as well, and I wonder the same thing. And, and remember, I mean, Julian Davenport was better than Sam Tevy in training camp, and, and this was Julian Davenport's <laughs> job before Tevy got hurt. So that's not you know, that's I, not. Can an you issue. imagine how that sounds to people when you say that? Because I agree. I'm just I mean, <laughs> what did you say in the press box? Davenport gave up two sacks. Tevy probably would have given up four. I mean, that Tevy was not good in training camp. So. No. They didn't help him a lot. I didn't see a lot of Jack Doyle in the end. I didn't see a lot of Moelle Cox helping either. That's something you're going to have to address if Fisher's not ready to go next week. It's not a guarantee, uh, but I think there's a chance. And remember, Xavier Rhodes, they didn't really think this was that serious of a calf injury, but it kind of just didn't get better over the course of last week. They missed him as well. They really did yesterday. The corners were not great. The safeties were worse. Um, But, yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't have this thought very often, but when I watched the tape this morning – it was worse than watching the game yesterday. And the, the second touchdown uh, to Everett over the middle, I mean, Darius is just lost. I mean, they do a little bit of, um, you know, they have Lockett come in on the side, and that kind of freezes him for a second. But, you know, Darius called it like it was after the game. He said they were just running zone beaters. And that's exactly what that was. But, 
you know, there's no excuse for a tight end running untouched over the middle for an easy touchdown. So it was just that kind of day all day. And, and they just, they didn't have an answer. And it was surprising because these are the things the Colts used to do before kind of everything changed, right? Before the defense built up. I mean, they've been so terrific against the run under Matt Eberflus for the last three years. They were terrible yesterday. And then they got carved up in the, in the secondary, which they've been pretty solid at. And then the offensive line wasn't the engine that you'd expect it to be. So they got to figure this stuff out fast because it's a brutal five-game stretch to start this season. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I, I want to just go back real quick and put a put a little bit of an exclamation point on, on the point about the coaching, uh, specifically Frank Wright. The other thing that I thought was, I, I think it was clearly a game plan to, to come out with uh, to throw underneath. There was a lot of that, a lot of quick stuff to Naheem Hines. I don't have a problem with that necessarily. Uh, I, I do think you got to try to get, to, you got to try to make some big plays, but I, but I guess I have to assume he knew what he was dealing with in terms of the protection. And, and that just wasn't going to be a priority. There was the one deep shot to Paris Campbell. They, they tried to hit Mo Ali Cox, I think on a third down, that was a tough play, but I, I like it. I like the shot. That's fine. Uh, so they didn't get that one, but I, I don't remember a lot more. You know, they had a couple intermediate throws. Um, yeah, no, the touchdown to Pascal and, and yeah. in the early in the first half, and the second one, but that was the game was over by that point. Yeah, I expected to see more of that, and maybe we would have if the protection would have been better and if Ty Hilton were magically on the field. But um, 
fairly vanilla on offense yesterday. Yeah, so I, that that didn't sit well with me. And then so defensively, when I talk about coaching, the, the thing that, that struck me there, I, I think a lot of the, the defense, I think was a lot of it was execution, honestly, like particularly on the back end, some of the, the pass defense stuff. However, there was, as I said, a really uncharacteristic number of blitzes for uh, for the Colts yesterday. I mean, like I said, on the on the first Lockett touchdown, it's an all-out blitz. I, I don't know if I've ever seen that from the Colts. And so they've got four guys, excuse me, they have seven guys moving toward Russell Wilson. None of them get there, <laughs> okay? Four guys in coverage against four receivers. And so it's, it's mano-a-mano and they lost. And so that's pretty risky stuff. I mean, they don't really get really ballsy like that most of the time on defense. I mean, they're, they're going to be a zone team generally and drop a lot of guys in coverage, let, you know, let receivers catch the ball and, and make a quick tackle. That's kind of their style. And, and they do that, you know, fairly well, but this was a really risky approach in many cases. And, and I guess they figured, look, it's Russell Wilson. What are you going to do? You got to do something crazy, right? You, you got to do something out of the ordinary, to, to make him to, to make him human, I guess. I, I understand that on some level. They didn't do it well. So I, I have to wonder how they go back to the drawing board there and, and figure out if that's a sustainable plan. I don't think it's something they'll do any every week anyway, but uh, it was definitely not what I expected. And we did hear that there would be some, some subtle defensive changes this year. I don't know if that's what it was, but uh, I don't know. Maybe yeah. sticking with what you do well might actually be the thing. I mean, people talk about... Now they're too vanilla. Well, <laughs> you know what? Maybe that's the way to go. I don't know. If you drop if you drop six or seven guys in coverage, I mean, are they going to have guys running wide open like that? I, it's hard to imagine. You know, it's just really hard to imagine. So it's, it's, it's sort of the game you play with Russell Wilson. Yeah. Too. Remember, this guy's probably like you know top three in the league. Um, first third yeah. down of the game, you know, they brought everybody. They brought Kenny Moore, and and, and the seas parted, and and Wilson just stepped up and scrambled for the first down. That was sort of. Uh, a snippet of what we were going to see. Either he was going to beat you with his legs or he was going to beat you with his arm. But um, I didn't hate the aggression that they showed. But yeah. then again, you got to cover in the back end. And it's more on Willis's shoulders and more on Blackman's shoulders. And, and, and Lockett and Metcalf won those matchups all day long. Yeah, I, I just think the safeties, man, both Willis and Blackman, that was just utterly disappointing. So that – I like those guys. They're good players. They're good athletes. That ain't good enough, though. That that can't happen. Then you talked about – I mentioned the coaching on defense, but really the execution it was just quite poor. I'm beating up on the safeties. But but Darius Leonard, I thought the the touchdown to the tight end, um, whose name escapes me right now, but the, the touchdown down there near the goal line in the red zone, Darius is in position. He's actually exactly where he needs to be. He's right in the middle of the field. The tight end runs right in front of him. And Darius is looking in the backfield, and he's totally flat-footed. And by the time he reacts, it's just too late. He doesn't even really have a chance to make a play on the ball. It was really disappointing because you're in position. I mean, if you don't cover him, there's nobody else there, buddy. <laughs> it's you. And for whatever reason, he froze. And and I get that Russell Wilson does things to people. I understand that. But, I mean, you got to keep your head. You got to keep your head, and so there was just too much of that yesterday. Guys getting caught flat, flat-footed, reacting late. Uh, guys missing tackles. I mean, just this is a team that doesn't miss tackles. That's what they yeah. do. They're going to give up a high completion rate, and then they're going to tackle the shit out of you. 
And they're going to have three guys there for every tackle. And that, that wasn't evident yesterday either. Ugh. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's what's disconcerting about the whole thing. I don't know. I, I don't think those are – I don't think those, these are permanent issues because they're not things we've seen from this team before. But that they are not – they're certainly not characteristic, uh, but but that's not winning football. You can't win like that. And the reason they win is because they don't do those things. I mean, whether they're one of the best teams out there, I, like, I mean, we can certainly debate that. And and what how good their defense is is certainly debatable. I get all that. But there are some things that they fundamentally do well that we don't have to typically worry about. And if you're not going to do that, then you're going to be in trouble. So anyway, let's turn the page a little bit. Um, Let's let's talk about Carson Wentz, and you know, look, he's not gonna he's not gonna face, or he's not gonna have that type of offensive line, you know, sort of let down every week. So let's talk. Let's apply this to the rest of the season. The way he played, um, I think they have a lot to build on there. Uh, they've got to also create some running lanes for Jonathan Taylor because they basically made him a non-factor in this game. And, and that was really disappointing as well because he's the other weapon you got going there. Uh, I, I think those two guys, if they can get the offensive line going, I mean, what'd you take away from Carson Wentz and, and how does it apply to the rest of the season? Does Do you think that, that Frank Reich can build on that and do we see a better performance next week generally from this offense? Yeah, you got to win the point of attack. It starts there. Jonathan yeah. Taylor, Carson Wentz, you're not going to see them at their best until they get this line fixed. That's the simple reality. And you didn't see that yesterday. You saw them running for their lives, basically. Um, and, whole, and Taylor didn't really have many places to go. Uh, also, it was interesting to me that Marlon Mack did not get a single carry. I wouldn't have mm-hmm. predicted that. Um, I understand that Naheem Hines has you know, jumped him on the depth chart. But they were very clear yesterday it's going to be the Taylor in, in, in Hines show. Um, but the reality is I think the Colts are, are very well-founded in the thinking that Carson Wentz is going to be pretty good for them. I really do believe that. I'm not ready to say he's going to get back to that MVP form or anything crazy like that. But I thought I saw so much yesterday that this team can be excited about, about the quarterback position. If you protect him, this guy has a rocket of an arm. He can make the deep throws. He can make the tight window throws. Look at the touchdown to Pascal in the first half. And then look at the touchdown in the second half to Pascal. There was more of a placement throw in the back of the end zone. A lot of people had checked out by them because the game was over. That was a really nice throw. And in the gap between Wentz and, and Eason and Ellinger is sizable. And that is constantly obvious to me after watching those guys for most of training camp and then Carson come back. Remember, he had five full practices. He was going to be rusty. But again, you know, my takeaway from the game yesterday is is Carson Wentz wasn't the problem. He played well enough to give them a shot to win. And I think moving forward, as he starts to get settled and as Frank starts to realize what he needs to do to keep Carson in check, keep the reins on a little bit, not make him feel like he has to play like Superman, they have a lot to work with at quarterback. This guy could be pretty special. You got to protect up front. You got to help him with the run game. Um, but again, let's not let the receivers off here earlier. There were a couple of plays where, you know, Wentz is scrambling for his life. And if the receivers had won their routes, that you know, there would be a completion. There was a couple of times that Pascal wasn't open, Campbell wasn't open. And and that's a credit to the Seahawks cornerbacks, but also um Colts need to win those routes as well. So I was encouraged by Carson Wentz yesterday. That might sound crazy in the city of Philadelphia where they are strangely obsessed with his shortcomings. But um, I think, you know, I share this. Chris Ballard was giddy after the second day of camp because of what Carson can 
do in this offense. I kind of thought the same thing yesterday. There's a lot to play with with this guy. I mean, let's. it's easy to forget. He started 9 out of 10, okay, in this game. Yeah, now, I watched the first half, and he was he looked great. It was lights out there for a little bit. I mean, and I thought the one incompletion of those first 10, it was the one of Jack Doyle that hit him in the hands. I just think it was a, either a good defensive play, you know, maybe a little bit of a drop. It's a, you know, there's a... Fine yeah, and Wagner there. got there early, and I mean, yeah. you know, it was a good play by Wagner if it wasn't a drop. Yeah, right. But I mean, that's that's the only incompletion. Okay, first ten throws are basically money. Okay, including the the big one to to Mike Strong, you know, which was I believe a third down, and and so they had to, it was a third and long. They had to have it, and boom, he hits him right over the middle. I mean, that's a an intermediate throw. You know, I wouldn't call it a deep shot, but that's that's a a play that moves the chains a good chunk and look man i mean there was a lot to build on there no one will remember that because of course you're not going to remember they lost by two touchdowns who cares but the quarterback nine out of ten to start that game i mean i thought there was a lot to work with there i give seattle's defense a lot of credit this is the other thing we got to do sometimes is give the other team some credit I i thought they had a good plan first of all and they also did a fantastic job of of pursuing you know they got to guys and, and got guys on the ground they didn't give them a lot of run after the catch uh they they definitely chased Wentz down I thought they did a good job of that so they limited some of the damage he could have potentially done uh with his legs and you know, because they were looking for that they definitely were were they built that into their game plan. There's no question they did. They definitely they had built no, that into their They game had plan. no loafs yesterday. The Seahawks defense. They really did. Zero loafs. If Matt Eberflus <laughs> is great in that film, zero loafs. Colts defense, <laughs> probably a lot of loafs. And like Jamal Adams, man, I just watched the tape. He's, he's everywhere. He's he's everywhere. And and they had a great game plan, and their effort was substantially noticeably better than the Colts. And that is something that is inexcusable, too. That's the other thing. I mean, that's what they're built on, right? They're supposed to be the, like you said, the no loafs team. They're supposed to be the team that, that you know, plays all out. And the other thing, the I talked about game plan, and I also talked about how the Colts coaching had some shortcomings. I think the they certainly got out coached because I thought I thought the Seahawks were able to use uh, the Seahawks offense. I thought they were able to use the Colts aggressiveness against them. You know, and what they did a lot of was a lot of misdirection. This is not original because teams know that about the Colts. They know they're fast. They know they're aggressive and they're probably going to over pursue at times. So they were able to use their aggressiveness against them, get them into a lot of misdirection plays and then boom, go backside a lot of times. And they got some big gains on those plays. And, and some of those were some of their bigger plays. And so they, they had a really good game plan on offense and defense and, I gotta tell you, I mean, I don't always feel like they got like they get out coached. I mean, I think that's an easy thing for fans to say, and I don't think some. I think sometimes fans say that literally with no freaking basis or just like literally just talking. This was one instance where I did feel they did get out coached, and I I know people think that people get hung up on like isolated things, right? Like uh, a play call in Buffalo or this fourth down or whatever, you know. Like and so they always get out coached. Bullshit. No, they don't get out coached all the time. This time, though, I think they did. So that they got to wear that, and and that's on that's on Eberflus and that's on Reich because I thought it was on both sides of the ball. I don't think they, I don't think they got the upper hand on those Seattle coaches. So we'll see. I mean, they had they had a little bit going for them 
in Seattle, you know, new offensive coordinator, a little bit, you know, changes in the offense and that kind of thing. But I don't think that's what it was. I, I just think they really just used the Colts' aggressiveness against them, and uh, it was really effective. So, uh, so I don't know. What did you see the Rams last night at all? I don't know if you did. So my power went out like in the middle of the second quarter. So I got to watch them just for a minute, but. It looks like they didn't have a whole lot of problems. <laughs> so, look, I mean, I, I didn't watch the whole thing wire to wire. I checked in here and there. But, I mean, look, they, they can move the football. There is no question. They're going to move the football. Defensively, you know, they they are they have playmakers on defense. There's no question about that. So, I see it as, you know, kind of a, a similar challenge, frankly. You know, they I didn't think there were a lot of similarities because I didn't think the Seahawks were that good defensively coming into this game but now coming out of that i'm wondering okay we probably underrated that defense they're they're probably better than we realized i Uh, think they could be i mean based on what they did yesterday with their new offense coordinator uh shane waldron i mean they they could be there at the nfc in the end we'll see long way to go we got to get to the end of december but um you know that might not be as bad of a loss as it felt yesterday but on the second part the colts played terrible and and it's how they lost that sticks with me this morning not you know, the Seahawks made the play. So we'll see. But, hey, you know, I got good news for you. The Colts are 4-0 in their last four week two games. So um, <laughs> as bad as they are in the opener, they always seem to find a way to win in week two. But it's not going to be easy against Aaron Donald and Matthew Stafford and another team that could be contending in the NFC this year, the, the L.A. Rams. I'll tell you what, the NFC West, who is, you know, so graciously hosting the Colts this year. Well, not hosting, but you know, that's their matchup this year. <laughs> That, not looking too easy right now. Yep. <laughs> That's not looking great. I tell you, Arizona, had t- what a win for Arizona yesterday, right? And so that's a that's going to be a nice Christmas present for the Colts to have to go out to Arizona and, and deal with that team who suddenly – look, I, I get that this is – I'm doing what we always say, which is overreacting to week one. But that one caught my eye. That one definitely caught my eye. It's like – Whoa, whoa, whoa! What are the Cardinals doing going into <laughs> going into Nashville and kicking the shit out of the Titans? Like what? You know, so something's up there. That NFC West is going to be tough. That NFC West, we figured it would be, and I, I think it is going to be everything we thought it was going to be. So anyway, I don't have any good news for you. That's all I got. Um, yeah, I'm. I want to hear what the fans have to say. I want to hear the fans and what they were surprised about yesterday. What they were disappointed about. Yeah. Um, what your thoughts voice. were on on Carson Wentz and whether he held onto the ball too long or was the offensive line or, you know, should we stop calling this offensive line one of the elite offensive lines in the league? I mean, until they play like it this season, um, that's that's a thing of the past. So we'll see. But, um, you know, this is overreaction Monday in the NFL. There's always a ton of it after week one. We'll see. The Colts do have a lot of talent. Uh, but they were humbled yesterday, and I think that was very obvious. Well, speaking of week one, I mean, did you know that Aaron Rodgers is, like, totally washed? I don't know if you know that. I mean, they uh, lost by 35. <laughs> they so. did, right? <laughs> I was just saying, right? I mean, like, I could make that accusation today and probably not be labeled a crazy person, you know? So, I, I don't know. That's what week one does, man. I Don't try to make sense of it. it it's like, did college not teach us anything the last couple of weeks, right? I mean, what do we know? We know nothing. We, that's we do this every single year. I'm not telling you the Colts are good or bad. I don't know. That's what I'm telling you. I, I'm saying I don't know. I think they're good, but look, you're okay doubting that today. <laughs> that's all right. That's allowed. But you also, you know, shouldn't sit here and predict they're going to go. You know, they're going to win like seven games based on that either, right? So, 
it's just how it is. So, but it's always fun, right? We get to sit back and watch this and kind of, you know, kind of make fun of it all. And I guess that's maybe that's part of the fun. So whatever. All right. That's all I got. Uh, we'll see what happens next week. We'll be back here a week from today and we'll see how this goes. Um, but lots to talk about and lots to clean up this week. We'll hear from Frank Reich later this afternoon. So we'll have some reaction on that. So stay tuned there. And uh, we'll have coverage of the Colts throughout this week uh, as they look toward the LA Rams next Sunday. So thanks for listening. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. And this is 1%. Play.